The Windows Store is your locally owned and operated go-to source for high quality updates at affordable prices. They specialize in windows, kitchen refacing, roofing, and entry doors. After 20 plus years of going above and beyond for homeowners in Minnesota and in Wisconsin, they are proud to be one of the top home improvement companies in the country. With over 900 plus reviews on Google and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, you can count on them to provide you with the best possible experience. Now, they're a company that you can depend on for your current and future projects, all backed by their done-right guarantee. They'll provide you with straightforward, honest pricing and ensure that you are getting the best products for your needs installed by trained, licensed, and certified professionals. You can visit them online at www.windowstoreinc.com and let them guide you through every step of the process from start to finish. Welcome to Black and Blue with AK and Officer Jai. I am AK Kamara. And I'm Jai Hansen. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. You know, I'm doing well considering, you know, how things went here in Minnesota last Tuesday. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure that you hit the like button, hit the share button with all your friends and your family. We are Black and Blue Podcast. We're really about having conversations about the things, the people, the institutions that get beat up either by the mainstream media, by local media, really by anyone. And today's episode is going to be about how Minnesotans uh, got beat up. They were hoping for a change in the way that things had been well, going in this. Look, state. I want to know how many bets you lost on election night. I, I mean, lost You're paying one. out, right? I lost one, and then I won one, which you told me that I won the one. So... So you know, I didn't I didn't lose didn't lose too much, and I actually made good on my bet already. I actually brought, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say it. So me and me and uh, Jamar from Black Republican, <laughs> Black Democrat, we had a bet like six months ago, and I said that uh, you know Jensen would win, um, and he said that Walls would win, and so I already made good on that, and we actually went to a Brazilian steakhouse. Now was that with a Groupon or was that? Uh... I, I tried to do a Groupon <laughs> and I actually messed it all up. Actually, so uh, no, it, it was it was good. But you know, in in Minnesota, um, you know, things didn't go the way that we hoped they would go. And today's episode, what we want to do is like break down some of that. So one of the first things is that we lost control of the Senate, and so um, our producer is going to pull up the first image here. Minnesota now has a trifecta, uh, meaning that. The governor, you know, remained in Democrat hands with Tim Walls. Um, the state house remained in DFL control, and uh, Republicans lost the control of the Senate. So now, the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the governor's mansion. And so, you know, that's on its surface, it feels like we lost a lot, right? That's what well, it feels like that we lost a lot. Yeah, um, because it felt like there was this momentum in which there was going to be a red tsunami. Um, anyone that follows me on my social, I, like, I've, been, I've been like sharing articles about the red tsunami that's coming based off of uh, Biden's approval rating mm. uh, and looking at historical midterms where you have a, a really bad um, approval rating for the sitting party. And that didn't happen. Um, in Minnesota, we didn't get wiped out. And I wouldn't call it a, a blue wave that happened in Minnesota, but there was enough flipping and then continuing with the status quo that happened. So that's kind of where it is. Now, when me and you met on election night, 
we were hoping to have a victory night. It was very somber. First time for you. What was that like, man? You know, it was disappointing as far as uh, from from a law enforcement perspective. You know, going going with the public safety stance and seeing uh, the the candidates that we had. You know, as far as Jim Schultz or Scott Jensen for statewide offices that they're really champion for public safety. So I had high hopes for that. I, I think people were fed up with the crime, and maybe we haven't hit uh, the the spot we need to yet, unfortunately. So I'm curious to see what happens next, and, and our, our guest today will help us uh, figure out how, the route to go. Yeah, so I think a lot of soul-searching happens whenever um, you don't perform, you underperform like we did in Minnesota. And especially when you kind of go against what other states were doing, like, you know, Florida, which was insane. Um, DeSantis went by 20 points down there. And so today we have Senator Mark Coran. He represents both uh, Isanti or Isanti and Chisago. Isanti and Chisago. And Chisago right. counties. And yeah. it used to be Senate District 32. And there's an error. It's now Senate District 28. Um, but welcome <laughs> to the show, Senator Coran. Yeah. We wanted to bring you on. Thanks for coming on. Um, you're, you're a guy that I've met in the past and you care about politics more than outside of your district like you care about the brand i i've i'm afflicted uh with paying attention which <laughs> means you become very frustrated and so i think you embrace your afflictions right you're, you're either paying attention or you're not embrace them you're more likely to speak out and be wary you could end up here and yeah so the only thing i can tell you too is most of us never plan to be here sure um you pay attention you you show up i've always been about accountability and transparency my entire career had you know has brought in within government and in around government this will be to be 40 years april and uh oh really in my career yeah okay and so i always had a job in the real world but i spent you know quite a few years uh, at the minnesota department of revenue and so understanding government and really about transparency and accountability, it's somewhere complicated than that. Mm. Um, but I can tell you the only way you become far more frustrated than just somebody activist on the outside is get elected. Yeah. And, and then you get to see, um, you, you get more access to more information and you get to have a voice and a vote and you get to go out and, and help educate. And, and yeah, I'm kind of, you're all in seven grandchildren. I want them to have the, best opportunities that I had in the state of Minnesota. Mm. We still live in the greatest state in the, in the country, but we also have all of the threats. We mirror Congress, right? In almost every way. Sure. All the threats that we have against us and, and, and all every movement you see, um, which may seem radical in many cases, are all here. They're all grounded mm -hmm. right here. Our yeah. politics are, we're still 50-50 state, believe it or not. Um, when you look at the change that we just had, um, we lost the Senate 150 votes. Yeah, one, that race, close. Yeah. one race, 150 votes. Um, the House is probably less than 2,000 votes that we lost the majority there. So no mandate. And and now we must govern and hopefully govern for what's best for Minnesota. It's a new role. I, I've been lucky in the six years I've served. We've all been in the majority. and um, But I'm I'm encouraged by the Senate Majority Leader on the Democrat side, Carrie Dietzik, common sense person. What's, she wants what's good for Minnesota. Hmm. And with a one-seat majority, one seat, it's a precarious position to be in. We know we were in it for almost six years. I, I, I think that it will bring some moderation relative mm -hmm. to some of the things people fear the most. I hope it brings moderation. 
Um, we're going to do everything we can to try and make sure yeah. that, that that happens. But um, that's that's the best we could hope for. And but you know, in, in a losing in the, in the worst case scenario. Um, so because 34 is really hard. And to keep people united, I don't think people have any idea what work our 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 caucus went through. Um, we we probably operated uniquely in the Republican Senate than any of the other caucuses. Everybody gets a voice. We have to move together. Um, and it takes a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of compromise in your own caucus. And then great leadership. And we did that. Mm. We did that. And it was in and I think that's why we were very successful. Um, elections are elections, and, and I think the with redistricting, not knowing what do those new districts looks like look like. Some got, you know, were more friendly to Republicans. Others were much more competitive. You see in the Roger Chamberlain district yeah. you know, or Jim Abler. Um, couldn't think of two better people to be in a really, really competitive district. Um, but some of that's redistricting, right? There's issues that there's a variety of things that happened out there, but um we're ready to we're ready to govern. We're, we're we got a few things uh, to see how the leadership sets up the new rules and and what that looks like. But um, I think they picked the best majority leader on the Democrat side that yeah. they, that that we could have hoped for, which I think will bring some common sense and some moderation. Yeah, so. I, I, I want to get to that point um, in a second too. But I, I wanted to get kind of your thoughts, uh, producer. We got. Uh, pictures two and three. I, I just I think this is important to put in, in perspective. So in 2018, which when we're trying to measure elections versus elections, we're going to look at a midterm. Now, 2018 was a little bit different because there was a, a U.S. Senate race. Right. Mm -hmm. Typically, does a U.S. Senate race pull up more people than just a governor? Maybe. Um, but what I find probably most interesting couple of different metrics um so maybe it's pictures i'll get two as well but yeah, 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 yeah. It was um so, so basically to your point it some people felt like the expectations are so high that um you know there'd be this red tsunami but when you actually look most of the house districts across the country shifted right right so it's like the expectations were so high that we would just demolish and yes it was an odd year but Republicans did make advances across the country. Now, Minnesota is a little bit different, but, you know, that I think that's it, to speak to that point. It doesn't mean all is lost and that we have to, like, slam the brakes on everything we've been doing and radically change our positions. It's we have to be better organized and some things like that. So Minnesota was a little bit different. But I know. Jay, well, yeah, I just had a question as far as to your point. Uh Senator, how how confident were you leading up to election night? Uh, as far as you know, you're talking about the red wave, uh, or AK is uh, red tsunami. Tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate the talk of the red tsunami or that the, all that talk. Right. It, I think we're we're still right on the issues. Right. Crime. Right. Mm -hmm. Public safety, crime, um, the economy, number one, and uh, you know, and schools. I mean, I think that when the, the exit polls still show, those are top priorities. Yeah. Um, but it really goes to turnout and the bombardment of messaging, right? So the abortion issue came up, and and could we have a could we have had a better message for Minnesota? Yeah, um, I think when when the when the uh, Supreme Court leak came out, we knew that decision was coming. Yeah. So a better unified message from the from the very beginning probably could have been more helpful. Would it have changed it? I'm not sure. Would it? When when you bombard it, 
and and you try and convince everybody that we're, to take away um, rights and and that mm. it's that we're in an extremist position versus those that did vote for a, a very extreme position of abortion up to birth. And, and most don't agree with that. And, and so when you really get down to it, is it about the value of life? And that's really going to come. We have to convince people to value life. Yeah. And, well, looking and back on it component. internally during the campaign cycle, was there at any point you felt that the abortion issue uh, – that the the Minnesota GOP needed to regroup on that issue or that you were losing more ground because of that issue. Uh, I think it went silent in many cases, you know, or that, that I think the position was and not a winning position of trying to be silent, right? That, Hey, it, it isn't right. The, the, the Supreme court or in Minnesota, it had been adjudicated. So I think the Supreme court ruling is proper because it is a state's rights issue. And so but Minnesota is one of the unique states that actually has had it adjudicated at a Supreme Court level mm-hmm. and to protect that right. And would we like to see more life preserved? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's many ways to protect life, right? Yeah. One, first off, prevention of pregnancy. And I think those things are, are important. But when you look at the bombardment and the messaging out there that, you know, there's, there's we could take away every one of your rights. And then the, the, the lies about, well, then we're going to go next into some other category. And then the the tie, which uh, or the tie into the threat of we're here to take away democracy. Uh, I, I would think every single claim about the threat to democracy is one that is then imposed on Republicans that Democrats were actually in the in the process of. Right. When you look about the threats that the, are from free speech. Right. You look at the, the suppression and the impact on elections by those trying to take away uh, and, and threaten democracy. Yeah. You know, it, it's a projection onto others and what you're doing. And we've seen that continue. And then, but when you look at the bombardment of 10 being outspent, 10, 21, did you see any ads? People, we get beat up all the time. Why did you, <laughs> why did you have more ads, right? Why did yeah. You, there's, not, there's not money coming in. You can't make things come but, out of there. Well, what was the money? AK, do you remember what the money was uh, on that? It, it was it was close. So I, I believe like total expenditures, if you combine what was raised statewide um, along with outside expenditures, I want to say the DFL had somewhere close to like almost 60 million that was put into Minnesota and Republicans were like 2.5. Right, million. right. Like, so, you, but, but that's consistent and you're only tracking the parts that are required to be recorded. Sure, right? sure. So <laughs> you, you add outside of that. Pick every single media outlet, every social yeah, media outlet. No, of course, of course. It would dwarf the hard dollars that are actually reported, right? Yeah. And the influence that it has. And it is literally one way, yeah. you know, and, and think about that. They should have to file a campaign finance report for in-kind donations. Is that think, something that you think would ever have legs uh, to come? Or is this something that we just have to hope that... We could have legislation if we can. I don't think you're going to legislate media, right? I mean, it's free sure. speech, but but that media literally is. Think of, think about the governor wall or uh, the governor wall's non-debate uh, debate. Mm-hmm. So Jensen's on a stage by himself. Did the debate change? It was the media, right? Yeah, They're the sure. mouthpiece for the governor. Sure. sure. In every way, shape, and form. I mean, you guys don't <laughs> see it. We we participate in press conferences all the time, and 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 it literally is the. Did you get the questions from the Walls administration up front or do you just sure. make them up? Sure. Um, very, very few questions without um, uh, a predetermined uh, message, right? It's, it's like the attorney, right? They don't care what your answer is. 
They're yeah. going to make a statement. And so the, the condescension in the statements and the, the aggressiveness on one side versus the other, I mean, it's a, it's a party on the other side. But was that debate, would it have changed if Walls would have shown up? No. The media sat there. Did they make one question? Did they? You would think that they, they may have, you know, had a comment. Just think if Governor Walls is here, we'd actually be able to get his opinion. Sure. But he's yeah. not here, so we'll give it, we'll give you his opinion for us. So to that point, um, so it's actually pitchers four and five producer uh, have my numbers mixed up. Um, I, I just think it's important to stress this, to, to put these things in perspective, that things are not as far apart as people sometimes feel. Um, and, and I think to the, to your point, what matters more to be able to close this gap because there is a gap. Like let's let's be very very candid. The last time that Republicans were able to get more votes than Democrats uh, was 2006 on on a statewide. Yeah. Whether that's um, you know presidential election, now presidential Minnesota hasn't gone Republican since what 72 or something like that. Richard um, Nixon. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's it's been a very very long time. But the reason the reason why I think this is important is that um, so this is 2018, right? So if you look at the total vote totals. Walls got 1.39 million. Jeff Johnson got uh, 1.097. And then if you look at 2022, Walls actually got less. He had like um, one point, I think he had like 70,000 less. And and actually Jensen was able to pick up another, uh, what is that, about another 23,000, right? So the point is Jensen performed better um, in 20. 22 than than Johnson did in 2018 and and Walls actually underperformed and so what that means to me is, is that this is a, a much larger point that ties into what you just said when you have the media apparatus and you have well just lack of a better term cultural institutions that are already pushing left of center ideas and beliefs and are more favorable with our money by the way with our money but the only way to push back against that is we actually have to have cultural changes at the grassroots, which is something yep. that I know that you are very familiar with. So Absolutely. I, I kind of want to just have this as, as an understanding and a premise that it, it wasn't this giant shellacking. Uh, there was gains from the right, um, you know, more than from the left. Republicans had gains. It's just it wasn't enough. So when we say, well, how do we change that? Starts at the grassroots. And, and me and you have talked offline. But what is what are some ideas of things that you think need to happen at a, at a fundamental level to get the ability to have a bigger impact on culture. But what's first, what's first, you talked about 2006, right? The first time we've, or the last time we've had uh, the signal, the one thing that's consistent from 2006 till today. Yeah. We're still using the same technology and philosophy. Sure. Uh, Democrats haven't. They've spent hundreds of millions of dollars in technologies. Look at, look at a, a Dean Phillips um, campaign uh, finance report. He's probably got no less than 15 separate companies. And most of them are to communicate with very segmented portions of the population. And that doesn't include Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You look at our congressional candidates, they might have four entries in that category. Mm. A general consultant, right? Some media. Uh, and, and the media is going to be right? some digital media campaign. And it's going to be Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what the heck are we doing? Sure. You know, and by the way, they're all sworn enemies to us. Sure. And, and uh, so we haven't <laughs> changed anything. So what are we going to do? So how do we mobilize people and how do we start to, to build out a message or uh, use technology to actually deliver our message in a more meaningful manner? And so I'm a big fan. I think the I think technologies, we, we 
I think some people hope that a media company will suddenly appear and to come to our rescue. It's not. And, it's not gonna happen, and but technologies have been developed. The Democrats are have their fourth election cycle utilizing peer-to-peer technologies. Sure. Peer-to-peer technologies allows you to communicate very effectively. And it's in um, your friend's voice, not us as a campaign voice. So four years, think about building on some before election cycles, eight years, building on, on year over year, getting people used to adaptation of that technology, getting trusted information from somebody you trust, not, not any political candidate, right? The door, at the door or otherwise. And the technology, if you look at just from a basic level, a direct peer to peer, you and your peer, you're twice as likely, that person's twice as likely to receive the message favorably and act upon it. Mm-hmm. That's better than, better than the, twice as likely than the candidate at the door. So what do we, we use? Peer to peer, what do you mean? So utilizing technologies, right? There's apps, applications that have been developed out there. In, in, uh, in the Democrat side, Tuesday Company is one of them. They have multiple ones. And, uh, and we have one in Minnesota. It's actually developed in Minnesota. It's called Swipe Red. Yeah. And, and so it, it allows you, allows a campaign to participate. The campaign procures the messages, right? And you write it in a variety of formats. And then you're not, anybody who downloads the application, you load your contacts and allows you to, it, it facilitates you to be able to simply share those messages with oh, sure. your contacts. Yeah, yeah. In your voice. Interesting. Because it's okay. not coming. Have, have you become bombarded lately in this election cycle with uh, texting and, and Facebook messaging and emails? Everybody just hits delete because it comes from a campaign. Sure. But when it comes from somebody you know, you're much more likely, not so likely to see it. Then you get into younger populations, four to five times more likely. You get into the minority populations, seven to eight times more likely to review that message and act upon it. So how do you get the party on board with this to have that same philosophy and that mentality that you have that is motivating to to get the younger voters out there? Get all voters out there and and mobilize our force. I truly believe we we have them. We just have not done anything. There's there's many things that we could do better. But in that case, I think it has to be one uh, throughout our party apparatus. MNGOP must adopt this technology, right? Um, but I got to tell you, neither of our caucuses have either the Senate or the House. They were, ah, we're good in technology. We know what we're doing. You know, you little senators, go sit down and, and uh, <laughs> let the let the can't leave the campaigning to the big boys. And but I but without adapting or trying that technology, we're, we're destined to continue this process. We have the people out there, and who's more likely? We've won in participation, right? Just to get out the vote. This is a this is a technology that we it's not an election technology. It's must, it's what we must adapt for year round communication education. So you're the trusted source of validated information that can be shared with, you know, mm-hmm. your friends and family and, and, you know, your contacts. Think about the ability to in our public in our database, you know, AK, um, we get walkbooks. We got we got a yep. we got a variety of, of, of data points. We don't have much as far as uh, we got a pro-life and a pro-Second Amendment. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Think about being able to have that tool and to be able to collect so you could do some some more sophisticated technology. Um, was it Trafalgar who uses the neighbor polling? Because yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. less likely to give up your own opinion, but you sure as heck will give up your neighbors <laughs> yeah, yeah. pretty freely. Yeah. Think about being able to collect those data points. 
from everybody you know in the contact database and have that retained for for use in specializing a messaging because you're going to be more likely know their needs better than they're ever going to give up in a survey or call. Sure. I think that's a fair, a fair way to look at it. That technology is available today. And so then you think about get out the vote in all of the, all of the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) thinking about get out the vote and, and you know, you roll into the campaign. Um, The application today is now being rolled in integration into the uh, RNC database. Think about the power that you might have in a very short manner to be able to look in your contacts and run through the database that will tell you who's registered to vote and who's not. Sure. We don't get that today as a candidate. So, you know, I, I 100% agree with you. I'm on board with what you're saying about, you know, we have to adapt our technology. Um, I still think that there is a step before that. Cause, and here, here's what I mean is that you you could, you know, MNGOP, let's say um, Senate caucus, House caucus, that a bunch of money comes pouring in from some benefactor and boom, we have the technology. But if there's, if there's nobody from the groups that we want um, to be able to get the buy-in from the younger folks, right. That are using it. It's a, it's a larger hall to ask. I think that you have to make an impact on, on honestly, like this word sounds so stupid when I say it over and over again, but on the culture. And what I mean by that, just to be clear is that when it comes to what do people find acceptable and what do people find like something that they um, have a, agreements with, or at least they don't have a disagreement right now. The culture in Minnesota is that Republicans are bad. That is the, that's what the culture feels. If you are outside, basically uh, I should say inside the 494, 694, mm-hmm. right? Republicans are bad. That, that's what the culture dictates. You go up to Northern Minnesota, Southern Minnesota, Western Minnesota, and Republicans are cool, right? <laughs> like that's, that's, that's whatever, you know, Trump country, MAGA country, whatever you want to call it. Um, these are folks that understand what it means to be a Republican, but we know that the demographics are significantly older than the demographics here. So uh, when I say cultural, some of the things that you and I talked about is, you know, we have to have an actual like, you know, door knocking, um, canvassing apparatus. Why do you think that has fallen away or or what do you think we can do to kind of bring that back? I, I think, I think one, one, the great thing we saw in 2021, right, January, we saw a lot of people come out in 2016, right, for, for President Trump drawing more people. He drew more people in 2020. 2021, people woke up after the election and went, what the heck just happened? And so think about the, I, I chaired a couple of conventions and I attend a bunch of them. Um, I t- called my wife and I said, we've got a problem that we've never had to worry about before, is that we're literally going to have to think about daycare, because I think the transformation is starting to occur. So many more young people with families. I was at mm. the, I think it was SD33, and uh, there's 25 kids running around at a convention. It's packed. So there's a there's a fresh new group. First, we have to retain them, right? We have. I met with so many of them, and they talk about they they're new. They they're 35, 40, never done a thing politically, never, and so they're there today. So we've got to capture them. We have to make sure and continue to provide education to them. I think overall, um, what have we got? 121 BPOUs. I think what we have is we've got generational dysfunction in many of them. They don't even know what the true opportunity is. Sure. And and part of that is is when we look at let's go back to the basic level scope and our limited scope over the last 40 years. 
we've only focused on federal and state offices. On any election cycle, that's 10, 11, 12, depending on whether it's presidential sure, and, and the sure. cycle of, the, of, our, of our U.S. Senate seats. In my Senate district alone, 168 elected people. Oh, really? 168. We focus on 10. Wow. That, and so that's, that's where the power is, right? And so our, the opposition, the Democrats, have, have mobilized at every level. Every single elected office, they're bringing their campaign apparatus to. We must do the same. Now, there's been great change as well. Every dialogue, every congressman, everybody in our, in our, who shares our beliefs says it's all about local politics. It's where the true power is gained. It's where all bad ideas are incubated. <laughs> it is. And, yeah. and so, so when you add, just to add really what that scope is, if we're going to focus on 10, you look at the percentage of people that, or what that really reflects. And in 168 positions, or elected positions in my Senate district, yeah. when you add, those are the electeds, then you think about all of the boards Right. The, from parks and recs, planning and zoning, you name it. That's another almost 400 people out of an election cycle. 400 more people. Well, guess who they appoint? People who share their beliefs. Sure. Guess who they hire? People who share their beliefs. <laughs> yeah. And so and so they're permanent. So when you look at the, the amount of influence that we willingly don't even participate in, it's the we don't even participate in 10 percent of the elections. And, and so. Um, that's to me where the where the focus has to start. MNGOP must adapt in this next cycle. They're they're going to elect a new chair, and uh, we must change the constitution that says all elected offices, yeah. and then build our apparatus. Look at what we've done in school boards. Parents have woken up. Um, we had great success. There are a lot of success and a lot of change uh, on people finally participating in municipal level government. Now we need to provide the apparatus so we ensure that those seats in, in a conservative district reflect our values mm -hmm. and to get people to participate. And it's happening. We need to make sure that we institutionalize um, that everything's in scope and then put in the procedural processes to allow and make to go out, validate everybody who's currently serving in office, <laughs> see who's registered as a or not registered, but identified as a Republican. Um, Get out there and validate. Are they acting in, in yeah. those belief systems? And then how do we support those that share our beliefs and how do we recruit? I think at the, at the state party level, when we think about um, functional groups, right? It's all volunteers. But if I had to do one, which I've proposed before, I would put a 10-member team on local elections, municipal elections. We, would, we should try to provide with each BPOU level um, your ballot two years in advance, Sure. We know who's up on. We know who's up. We should be doing voter ID on every one of them. We should be the support mechanism for anybody who shares our values and where we have those people in place about vetting who they're going to appoint to make sure that we've we've done uh, uh, voter ID on them. And, and to be that key resource, we could bring hundreds. Well, we could bring thousands of boots on the ground in the political apparatus. Um, one, making sure people reflect and determine our quality of life in our backyard but also really is where the power has been gained um, to allow the Democrats to operate in the manner they are today. Mm. Senator, one thing that's interesting to me, and I want to get your view on it, you talked about, AK talked about the 494-694 corridor, and inside of that, Republicans are bad, and outside of it, Republicans are cool. You grew up in the city. 
Uh, right. I'm a frog towner, man. So people don't, a lot of people probably don't know that about you, that you're a city boy, right? Yep. Um, we, we touched on that a little bit before how, how, you know, you can connect with urban areas. One thing I was happy to see with this election cycle, Scott Jensen, Matt Burke, last weekend before the election, they're out in the urban areas. Yep. And for a Republican candidate, that's pretty different to yep. see that. How do you touch on that? We have AK here, who's a U of M grad. We got a whole bunch of kids. I don't hold that against. Yeah. I like them anyways. <laughs> so. we, we got a whole bunch of kids and young young voters yeah. that might not agree on a lot of uh, the GOP standpoints. But, you know, they are getting carjacked. They are getting oh. jumped. They're, all, they're worried about uh, taking the light rail. How do we focus on them and rally that base, that younger base in the metro area to start carrying the messaging? Because I think you're right with how how you connect with with outstate Minnesota and doing that. But you're a city guy. And and so I've done it. It's been the biggest pleasure I had is serving in the caucus. We bring all bring unique backgrounds. But now I think we have I don't know that we have anybody left was Dan Hall who was great raised in uh, Minneapolis that who's actually been born and raised in there and, and cultures change every 20 miles. People don't think they do, but they really do. Um, growing up in that environment, it gives you a little bit uh, ability to resonate with everybody who else has grown up there. I've gone, I'll go, I I've done um, any candidates locally, Minneapolis, St. Paul, anybody, any Republican steps up on, on the data line to go and try to help them every way, shape and form to, to, to provide access to somebody who's currently serving. We're not special, right? We're just, people forget, just you get elected, you think you're some, that's title matters. I respect the hell out of the title, but we're just your neighbor. Mm. We are. And so you just got to make sure that people remember after we're elected, just your neighbor. And to go and, and provide that support for anybody who puts their name on the dotted line, educate, help and mo- motivate and inform them and to, and to reward their volunteers. Somebody who shows up that's never done anything. They don't get access to that because they've been told all these horrible things. You go because the other side will go into into that same minority population. Say, hey, they're going to deport you. Sure. Mm, Let's yeah, just lead right yeah, out. Yeah, We're right. going to deport you. Uh, you have legal status. Yeah. Well, they'll still deport you. It's the blatant lies. And so breaking into that has been really hard. I think some of the other technologies could help us get there. And it but it can't be an election cycle process. It has to be continuous, ongoing and bust the doors down on the churches and every population, vast majority population, I don't care who it is. When you look at them, they share our values. Family belief, right? Pro-life, mm-hmm. family, hardworking, right? They don't want anybody screwing around with their children in school. Yep. They want them to get great education. That's it. So when you look at that, we share all of our values. But being able to break down those barriers is really hard. And it needs a concerted effort. Um, there aren't many of us that can... that can do it because they, and when we get, we serve a great people. Right. Um, but if they've never lived there, never done it, actually, uh, I go center Pratt all the time. He's always going, working out in the Asian community and, and, uh, and it's good, but it's really turning that from an apparatus and, and bringing them in nonstop mm-hmm. and, and make it a conservative effort to just go out and have that conversation. And, and not in know. an election year. Oh no, no, nonstop. Yeah. yeah like, and, like, and, like right now, right? Like, so, so when you talk about these technologies being used, um, th- this is again from where I where I come talking about this is we pay uh, so much lip service saying that these are the things that we want to do, and for years and a uh, previous chair of the MNGOP 
in, in the chair before that chair, I remember having these conversations because, you know, MNGOP has affiliate groups, right? right? Um, and it's like, there's so many things that we talk about. Here's what we're going to do. But a lot of it does come down yep. fine, final to, to dollars. But there's something that I, I hate that excuse. I know it's a reality that money does matter. But I also think that if you don't go and actively try and find people that reflect the values of that district that are tired of hearing what the current, you know, uh, standard operating procedure of the Democrats in the area is and they're tired of it, you have to find them. You have to get them plugged in, connected, and you have to start doing that now because they're the ones that have the passion. Right. Yeah. So like when when Jensen and, and Burke went over to South Minneapolis and went over to North Minneapolis, there were people that showed up. Um, I know Laverne Turner, you know, he's been yep. he's been active with the Republican Party for yeah. a few years. That man knows other people that are connected um, with Laverne's the man. Right. And so it's <laughs> like we need we need to empower people like Laverne that knows people in the community that share those values. And we need to start getting that apparatus out to getting people to our side and saying, like, here's the things that we believe in. Here's what our values are. And then how do you think that that plays? And then on top of that. Word, what are you hearing from the people? And I think if we start doing that now, maybe we only gain five percentage points in the next election. But five percentage points would have would have made us win. Five percentage of yeah. of these highly populated, dense areas would have pushed. It, it matters. And when you think about it, it, it's really about just sitting down and having the conversation, right? And, and just getting to know you on the personal level, because we are just basic humans and we do share. It's just having that open conversation, which is the most, not the most difficult for me. It's 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 a blast. Um, they've, they've been shielded from us in many ways, you know? And so they've just get this narrative. They really think we're bad people with, sure. ter with, with terrible ideas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we may, we may have different ideas, but I'm telling you, I, I've never met anybody where we literally don't share 85%. Right. After you talk to them. So my, and, my brother actually asked a, a question. My brother is super long winded, just like me. So he's saying, are you saying <laughs> weird that there's an issue when conservative Minnesota constituents than the voting polls reflect, but that aren't aware of who to vote for, whether or not they should vote, or is an issue of messaging, which doesn't quite resonate with enough citizens whom are not political, but suffer from political exhaustion. That's a great question. Lethargic. I, Good question. I, I think, yeah, it's a great question. I think the answer is yes to all of the above. Yeah. And, but the other part, I think it really goes to, you talked about in those areas, we got to recruit them as candidates. Sure. And, yeah, yeah. and, you know, I, I went to, I think the, the one I had fun at was Shilo when he ran for Congress. We were at his kickoff. So 800 people showed up. You know, any congressman had 800 people show up to a kickoff meeting. So the energy's there, but it's capturing it. But I looked at there and said, oh, there's a candidate. Everybody got up and spoke. You know, they love this country. And, and a lot of military vets, you know, and they're, because their father served and, and, uh, um, you look, oh, there's a candidate. There's a candidate. There's a candidate. And, and I think so. That's that's an effort. We need more of those candidates step up and run and, and empower them and, and mobilize them. But I think the reality too is we also have to really evaluate how we pick our candidates. Sure. So I'm a I'm a big. I think I'm not willing to give up the caucus process because I, I need to know you know people that I think we need to look at the primary people that organize in a primary manner. Mm -hmm. Do we end up with better candidates that reflect? and share our values, but are the most electable for that district. Again, because sure. the cultures change. Yeah. You and I know um, the people who show up are very dedicated. We're, we're nothing without those volunteers. Right. But it's not a broad subsection of even any political district. 
And and so people say, oh, you know, there's more extreme. Eh, there could be more 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 single issue voters. It's only because nobody else shows up. Sure. I'd rebrand caucus. Right. I wouldn't even call it caucus. Senator, I see a question out there right now. It says, as a centrist who is alienated by the uh, woke end of the left, I'd be coming right if the conservatives could show their compassionate side a little more. Yeah. I talked to so many people who agree we feel we're without a party. Does the Minnesota GOP ever talk about appealing to that yeah. group? That, so I, I think people... Again, the ability to deliver the message or, or or anybody even carrying our message, when you look at the things that we do, I serve on health and human services, okay? We have done nothing but, but fight like mad to preserve those things that affect our children, disabled, and our elderly. And you want to talk about a depressing, uh, a really, really hard um, process to look at what we're doing? When, when government is ineffective and it wastes our money, I think it's the theft of our labor, right? But when it's when that same poor outcome is in those areas where it is our kids are disabled and elderly, I can show you great harm and great neglect. And it's sad. I mean, very, very mm. sad. We have exclusively been the only ones fighting for that battle. Nobody's ever heard of that. The, the, the Walls administration would cut nursing homes significantly, heck, even in the last budget cycle. We don't normally, you know, in, in 2022, um, we already had a budget. But when you look at critical need, we're ready to spend a billion dollars, a billion dollars for for group homes, dis, right? Group homes, which are for disabled uh, and and our um, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and PCAs, personal care attendants. There are people that if the P PCA doesn't show up, they don't get out of bed for the day. Mm. Where they're battling it. And, and the administration says today, well, we're comfortable. Well, we're committed. We'll try to make it better someday in the future. When you see it, I, I know I, I can show you cases where people have died. I can show you cases where, where we put people in a, in, into a group home and we've tied their hands with just crappy policy um, that leads to harm neglect of the, of the employees who work in that environment to, to employees who are raped, mm. injured, work, the workers' comp. Uh, rates or the, the number of people on it are horrible. We've been the only ones working to, to, to fight and stop that. Well, see, and, this is what needs to get out more. And I don't so, think people understand that. So the, the, the Democrats' solution for this billion dollars, and it literally is critical need. We're not, I'm, I'm, a cons I'm a conservative. I want, I want to make sure at the end of the day, you get great value for money and government serving its role. There's vital roles to serve. But in that area, they said, ah, we're willing to do $450 million, but we'd rather have $500 million also go to create a whole bunch of nonprofits that feel good and rarely deliver a single thing and improve right. benefit. Right. And so that that goes to that message. And, and you know, people think that, again, nobody's here for the money. You're here for pure passion. And, and that's one that pisses me off, frankly, mm. and makes me sad um, that I get to see it every day and that I can't. Um, there's ways I know how we can transform the workforce to, to make them accountable. So at the end of the day, give a crap what we are, Republican or Democrat, that we can prove you're getting great value because there's no one here can tell you what the heck you pay collectively in taxes. Nobody knows. They just think it, the system's broken and, and I pay too much. Most have no idea. Um, I would also argue the system's not broken. It's hmm. designed to produce the poor results we get. Because mm -hmm. it, uh, that's interesting, interesting right? yeah. it's like a like a self um, like a self eating process. Like this is the problem. No, nope, I'd, I'd, I'd correct. Uh, yeah. It's not self. It, it it's it's human nature, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great people, 
um, it's a it's a process that has no naturally occurring corrective action for when it gets its job wrong. Right. And in fact, it has a is a perverse incentive to reward itself for poor outcomes. And and poor outcomes, like I said, in one case, waste money, right? Because it, it, the, the, we're, we're not meeting the intended cause or the product or whatever it is. But when that poor outcome is in health and human services, um, we should have zero tolerance. We should do everything we can to make sure that we transform our workforce, that at the end of the day, damn it, we know we've done everything. And if we're, if we're still not meeting our goals, then damn it, we got to blow it up and, and, and keep moving forward. Sure. Today, the people that are making the rules and regulate practically every industry in government never worked in that industry. <laughs> sure. That's another thing. And, and they don't have to live by the rules they create. I, 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 I was able to study it again. It'll be my 40th year to see the cause and effect of, of that process of just taking advantage of human nature. I know we have, we can bake in the things that don't naturally occur. And at the same time, I'll be at the front line fighting for better wages. I want fewer people. I want as many people that we can justify that proven great value, but to create incentives that we have a compensation package that rewards for high outcomes. There's there's probably 10% of our workforce grossly underpaid. They're crazy dedicated. You can time into entrepreneurial type or just driven people. They're the ones that are making the, you know, kind of keeping it together. The rest of it is is just a process where they create work. And when they're done with that, they create more work for themselves. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it consumes resources and embeds um, ineffectiveness that has horrible, horrible outcomes at the end of the day, especially when you tie onto that human side, which to me is the only other reason for government. So, so this is this is where the messaging, I think, is so important. So when I say it's like the self-eating cycle, when you say that there's not a, a corrective measure, understanding that there's disincentive when you know there's there's disincentive when the government is in charge and it is not um influenced by what the people actually because there, there's no one competing with the government right like i mean let, let, let's just be honest unelected and, and this is a core this is a core fundamental difference and where you know you you think when you talk about what the government does and, and someone might say well why can't the government solve this problem right like yeah. that's a very common absolutely. thing that people will say why can't the government solve this absolutely and the answer is the government's terrible at solving things right the government's good at making uh, a, a hard line to make sure that you know here's a cliff that you don't fall off but that's not solving a problem that's just basically making sure that you know the the fewest amount of people try and you know fall off the cliff or whatever right and, and that's the problem is that you have to be able to have um, incentives of market influences of meritocracy, some of these different things. But again, this is something that's lost on people unless you can actually break it down on a digestible level that people understand. Yeah. But the only way to do that is like you said, you have to get connected. You have to have people in, in the communities that care about that message and, and you have to be able to move it, forward. And I, and I, I'd argue, you know, it's across everyone. You, you go into a uh, you know, large government, Hennepin County, Minneapolis. I mean, oh, there, there's largest. The states. budget of Hennepin County yeah. is. And, and you look at the outcomes and, and I've done a bunch of work, you know, in, in the uh, um, black community from uh, out of home placement, right? Mm. Foster, foster care. And, and people think, oh, it disproportionately, disproportionately affects them. Eh, it doesn't. Statistically, it might look like that, but they treat everybody equally poor. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So it, it's and and I'm one of the I've I've been the chief sponsor for the uh, um, Easter Seals program, um, uh, the Father Project, right? Trying it's the only organization that supports men, mostly minority men, but they don't care who it is, and, and to go out and to try and 
um, make sure that it provides structure and the opportunity to go out and, and to, to have an active role in their, their lives, uh, the lives of their children. But they got to work at it. And, and those are things that we've done and, and work hard at, at little piecemeal things. But, you know, going back, going to, to what government does, government doesn't do much. The things that actually work in government are delivered by the private sector. Yeah, no, 100% right. <laughs> and see, so that's been, that was the other half of my career. Selling business process outsourcers into government, federal level, state level, right, all of the from entire agencies to technology to solutions. Um, so I've got I've been able to validate that the things I just spoke about. And if you've heard the governor speak about what his goals are, I have ever since he was from two weeks from the time he was elected the first time, attempted to get an hour meeting with the guy. Uh, he was just reelected and he still can't get that meeting. Sure. The only bipartisan thing he does is he doesn't talk to Republicans or Democrat elected officials. Yeah. And so, and I, you know, it's like, governor, if you want more of what the things that you want, I want to help you get there. Sure. Right. And we can all win, but we can't fix any of those things. All the technologies, have you heard the men, Lars garbage and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah. Maybe say, Oh, it's broke again. It's not broken. Um, we can't have any we can't have good outcomes to any of those until we change the the training structure about how we pe how we treat, teach people what their jobs are on a continuous basis and the attachment to it okay you work in the private sector yep yep if you underperform what happens to you well, you don't have a job anymore. You mean it fixes itself <laughs> it fixes what if you what if you're a really good worker but you designed a crappy product It'll fix itself. Yeah. At every level, bankruptcy is a corrective action. We have none of those things in, in government today. Yeah. And I would argue today we're moving further away from that, um, that we have many jobs today that are being posted and people that are being hired that don't have a single deliverable the day they were hired. Mm. And so when you look at all of these things that they're adding to it, it's like, how does that help us build roads? How does that help us take care of personal care to how do we provide better care uh, our nursing home industry is collapsing by the way 23,000 yeah. people left their jobs and aren't coming back in nursing homes and group homes oh and I, so here here's the thing and i don't even know i don't think you and i've ever talked about this so my mom has been in a nursing home for nine years okay she's uh in she's in a nursing home in stillwater mm -hmm. and um i'm the eldest and just actually earlier today at a care conference call mm -hmm. And we're just, you know, checking out how things are going. And there was something, I'm not going to share exactly the details, but there was something that surprised me. And I had a question about medications that were being taken. And they said, well, you know, our, according to this rule, we want to try and wean people off of certain medications. And I, I actually was taken back and, and my wife and I were both on the call and my wife called me afterwards. She's like, how did we not know this? I'm like, I mean, we, we are on every care conference call. I guess I had, I just kind of assumed because I didn't go through and look at like every single thing because they've yep. taken, I mean, she's, mm -hmm. she's alive. I talk to her every day. My sister actually works there. Yep. Um, and, and so it got me thinking and I think it is a government thing where they, they wanted to reduce a medication that she had been taking for 30 plus years yep. because she is she is a Medicaid recipient, right? So um, th wow. there's these little things like like this, but I I I think that people need to try and have a better understanding. But here, here's what I wanted to kind of uh, get your your kind of thoughts and opinions on. 
when we look at the state of Minnesota as a whole, there's a lot of a lot of different potential um, of, of where things can go for the next election cycle. And, and we have places where we can start talking about we're going to have a change in leadership potentially. Right. With the MNGOP chair, election. Right. Uh, that's coming. So, well, up let, let's get yeah. quick hitters. Are you running for the Minnesota GOP chair? I am not running for the Minnesota GOP chair. Is there anybody you're going to put your support behind? I think people should be begging David Hand to, to run and stay. I think when you look at look at um, David Hand architected the uh, four year from he started in 20 to, uh, 2012, spent four years to architect a win for the Minnesota Senate majority. He was de- he he individually was defeated in 2016, but he won the majority that work that he did. And that plan it took them four years and they put forth the plan and executed and won the majority. And it kept us there for the last six years. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I have a, a bias that I think somebody with anybody without being elected or serving is a great disadvantage to even understand what's mm. going on. You can't teach what what um, this entire process brings forth. And when you think about what he came into, he came into a, a, an environment that was less than zero. Right. All highly competent staff have been all forced and chased out of this state um, to not work at the MNGOP from their previous administration. They had um, they had redistricting, which is a monumental effort. So trying to to rebuild from less than nothing. Literally, they took the laptops, nothing. And and then um, going to the point of getting through redistricting, moving into that many of our, our entities are dissolved. So you have to really restructure all of them with the new boundaries. Mm. Takes time, lots of effort. And then you roll right into to endorsing conventions <laughs> all at the same time. And then the statewide constitutional office endorsing conventions. And oh, and then you get about five and a half months to plan for an election. Um, you know, when you look at that, um, and and we're in a cycle now. This cycle is the first time we've had the election in December. So that new chair gets almost a two-year full cycle to focus and one create plan and then focus on that for two years. Mm-hmm. Normally it's in May or June, you know, later in the year. You're just getting your 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 feet under you and you got less than a year to really implement. And so I think he's fully capable. Is he perfect? Nope. I, I've yet to meet somebody perfect. I will be doing everything I can to help support the things we talked about, helping from the outside and doing everything we can to make sure and push and pressure. I have my I was going to bring in my suit coat about the the 25 things that I had. I've probably given my my when I ran for the chair speech a thousand times since I stopped running for the chair. Sure. But it's all the right issues still. And so we need to make sure that that David Hand understands them, that he uh, I think he does, and that he starts to build those teams and, and to put the focus on the areas where we think we need to do it and build an army. And again, I think bringing in all elected offices, I, I think we should challenge it. How do we bring through 4,000 people with walkbooks and an army on the ground that one, if we had the money, couldn't afford to hire them because people wouldn't exist. They don't exist, um, but more motivated. And we win in every aspect of mm. taking the local offices, um, making sure our quality of life is there, stopping bad ideas from being incubated locally, terminating those bad ideas they've already implemented, and then bringing bringing a highly motivated team into the environment that's going to bring us the resources necessary to uh, to to move forward. So I, I think it's compelling. I I, I personally like Senator or do, uh, Chairman. I'll call him Chairman Han. Um, I I think he's he's a very nice gentleman. I, however, um, use the metric of what what happened 
And why did it feel – it felt different from my perspective. I think you make a compelling argument and maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm not – I'm not a state central delegate, so I, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, but but at the end of the day, I I would be curious to see. But it's it, it really is messed up how short a time there is because it, it'd be preposterous for someone to be campaigning um, for re-election before a general election. So I, I think that the previous chair Carnahan, I think she she did this on purpose, um, and maybe the you state know, central. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, the, but the state central delegates voted on it. Oh, I know. So, oh, yep. I, I know. I, but I mean. Yes, but it was at the at the direction of I agree. yeah. So so th there's that. Now, secondly, you have a new um, uh, Senate a minority, minority leader, right? Mark um, Johnson. Mark Johnson from East Grand Forks. That is correct. Uh, that's right next to Grand Forks. I'm from North Dakota. Um, right. What can we expect from Senator Johnson? Um, I think uh, I we were very happy that Mark stepped up. Mark came in the class that I did. Um, okay. I, I think, again, I like people's backgrounds. He's, he's a, even though he's an attorney, um, <laughs> but he owns a construction company, a concrete company. So he lays concrete all year mm -hmm. <laughs> or all, all summer. And so, um, Jeremy Miller, Senator Gazelka set the bar high. Jeremy Miller set the bar even higher. Sure. And we're going to make sure that bar stays that way. Sure. And so he's going to have to work hard. Um, we're going to be there to support him and make sure that we, we operate as a caucus. And that we bring everybody into the fold and everybody continues to have the voice. And that in our caucus, our leader never acted outside of the parameters in which we set as a caucus. Sure. That's what you mean, though. It's different in the Senate than other caucuses. I would argue all three other caucuses sure. that didn't operate. We there is no you hear the garbage news under the cover of darkness. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, <laughs> the three, the trifecta got together and, and, and created the, the terrible policy that you think you have. Um, that didn't happen for us. Sure. And so, and that hasn't happened um, since I arrived, at least for the last six years. And so everybody has a voice. Um, we craft, as a, the leader, craft deals, right? I mean, it, it's final negotiations. You're not going to have 150 people in the room. Um, but it's it's exactly what our caucus has set in, in priorities and as well as guardrails in each of those parameters. And then if it moves outside or as things morph, you keep in constant contact and and uh, it's going to take a lot of work for him because the bar has been set really high, but I think he's ready for it. Um, we, we swapped up a couple people and put some new people on the on the leadership team as well. Yeah, um, I'm excited as well. And the, on the House, the House picked the new, uh, new yeah. minority leader as yeah. well. Yeah. Lisa yeah. Uh, Damuth. I, and, I never even heard of her I, actually like the day of just because Walter Hudson, I, I wanted to make a funny tweet. And I was looking to see because I I love to troll uh, leftists, especially racial identitarians. And what do you mean? Did you learn? Did you read Boyce's blog, man? Yeah, yeah, did yeah. Did you know yeah, Walter yeah. Hudson's black? Yeah, yeah. And so because of that, <laughs> I, I was, I was going to write. They this. had to tell us, and they kind of said, "Oh, by the way, Walter Hudson, he's black." Right. And so, <laughs> so because I was trying to make a pithy reply, and then Walter had tweeted, uh, "You might want to tell the you know this," and then he he linked to her and is like, you might want to tell her that, uh, you know, she's not the first Republican since 1970 to be elected to yeah. the state house. And I was like, who is this? And then I looked it up. I'm like, how do I not know that? Yeah. But you know, I, I don't live in cold spring or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She so, got, she's a, she served at Jeff Howe, uh, okay. the, Jeff Howe, the Senate. That see, I know, district. I know who Jeff Howe is. Yeah. It's just, I, I never met Lisa yeah. and I, I'd be awesome to be able to have her on the show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But I, I wanted to ask, um, are, are like, Quick twitch. Is there three things that you think that Minnesotans should um, be aware of uh, calling their 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 state reps, um, their state senators about what the DFL caucus wants to bring through? 
Um, there's like top three bills that you're like, watch out. These are, yeah, I, I think, you know, they're going to move on abortion, right? Okay. Um, do they, I, I, I doubt they even have the votes, at least in the Senate to, to do something like that. Um, they're going to continue to focus on that. Um, second amendment, right. You've seen all the crazy bills. I think the Senate Democrats with Kerry Dietzik at the home will likely moderate that. Okay. You know, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for Minnesota that she she does, um, because you've seen the crazy stuff. Every crazy idea was passed off the Minnesota House floor over the yeah. last four years. Right. Anti-police, anti-family, anti-anti-American. Um, so you and, think there'll be some actual fighting from the DFL Senate on some of the stuff that's going to come from the, from I the do, House? I do. Really? I think there'll be plenty of. Again, the composition of their 34 to, to to move even on their core priorities because they aren't going to move far yeah. enough to the other side. I think there'll be um, I think there'll be plenty of issues that they're going to struggle to maintain 34. Mm. Um, if you look at the composition over the last three election cycles of those that and to me, the most kind of the depressing side is that we you could always battle the ideas, but the the institution is respected and cherished as well as the constitution that's changed and so when you know you look at organizations that say well we you know we just support constitutional base well that makes you conservative no it's the constitution used, used to be a bipartisan but now it's become a partisan uh sure. position yeah, yeah, yeah. and so to see that kind of disregard for the institution and the institution is designed to emote behavior and to vet ideas at an amazing level um and they just have no respect for that. So, Senator, I think uh, I, I know you have seen the images that have popped up on our TV <laughs> here. Uh, our producer that, really that, wants us to talk. And about I, it. I was wondering if you even looked up because there, there's a couple a couple images and questions that have popped up <laughs> about uh, Trump. Yeah. And and I want to get your your view on it. I, I kind of know your view on it already. But sure. uh, uh, what? What's your view on uh, the big announcement that yeah. happened? I, I think President Trump, right? I think he feels you think about what what he went through in spite of his own government working against him. Mm -hmm. Every single thing that they have claimed he did, they didn't do. Right. It was proven. Does everybody even know that yet? They don't. Right. Because the media has suppressed practically everything. Some of them come out now. The Biden. Right. All all the garbage. Um, but the internal tax, I think. It took them four years to figure out where the real challenge was. I think you had I think they had an uninformed greater trust in government. Yeah, sure. And and I would argue that 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 trust was we think there's portion malicious in, in, in its intent and delivery. I would argue the ineffectiveness can look malicious. Sure. And I think the vast majority is ineffectiveness, which appears more malicious than the actual malicious intent that we've seen. Right. Think about the rate, all the stuff that they've done, that, which where, cannot be attributed to, you know, uh, ignorance can be attributed attributed to malice. Right. So, yeah. like, honestly, there's there's probably more ignorance than malice. And I think that's true for a lot of people, because I don't think that there's a lot of evil people that are um, public but, servants. But I think in, in that level, when you look at the, the people there and how long they've been there in, in the true power and how they've acted out against a president without evidence. In fact, they've helped manufacture evidence. And, and so that's all been proven to be false. The premise of everything they've done is impeachments, everything false. Um, he's a Brooklyn, New York guy. 
right? Is a culture. We just talk about cultures change every 20, 20 miles. Um, he's brash and braggadocious, but I think he was the only guy that could have done what he did in 2016. And he, he represents the hardworking legal U.S. citizen, period. He so, simplified every argument, every debate. He was working for the hardworking legal U.S. citizen, and the opposition party is working for everybody except the hardworking legal U.S. citizen, regardless of the topic. And so he made the media call out who they were. Um, will, will he be the one that motivates more people to work against him? Yeah, I think he will. Could he could he truly be presidential? I don't know that he has if he has that in him. If he did, he he would be unstoppable. And I think that's what they fear. Because all you'd have to do is stop personal attacks. I think it was part of a self-preservation type thing in Brooklyn, more personality than anything. But look at the vicious attacks that that no other probably Lincoln. I mean, there's a couple couple that have been attacked equally. Um, but would I would I pick a dream ticket? You know, if you're looking at long term, yeah, you pick a Trump DeSantis. The problem is, is egos get in the way, right? <laughs> anybody who anybody would think about it, anybody who would want to serve at that level. I, I, I know the sacrifice my family makes and, and how hurtful they are, how hurt they get when they see things in the attacks against us. It's nothing at our level compared. Go to a congressman. I've seen what it's like. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I've had that um, wrath for three or four days at a crack. Um to put his family through that for the rest of their lives, they will always be um, that family. Uh, they, you don't do that easily. So it takes part of ego, right, to be able to do that. I think he believes he's truly been wronged, and he has been. Um, can he motivate people, and can he bring new voters in? I'd love to see a Trump DeSantis. you got to so, be looking for 12 so years. Here, here's two things I want to jump in on. So uh, I watched back Trump's announcement speech. He did not once during that speech – attack any individual on a personal yeah. basis. He did not even talk about 2020 being stolen from him, which I thought was great. And I heard an analysis by Michael Knowles who said that people were saying that DeSantis is Trump without, uh, with tact. Right. Um, yeah. And so, so I think that actually is making Trump have to have tact so he can defeat that thing. That's uh, going <laughs> I, after him. Well, and, I and agree, I, man. Do you think I, he can win? Do you think he could, uh, 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 Trump in 2024 can win all, all of the things that we talked about. It's about turn out your base. And so how does, how does, how do we motivate? What are the dollars available? Right. Cause that's part of it. Media, just bombardment of media. It, it is effective. It, it affects me because it's all they hear. They tend to believe it. Mm. Um, and I don't care who you are. They, if that's all you see, it's, it starts to, to move your thought process and think about it. They convinced in 2020 more people to vote against every one of your core beliefs because they got people to hate someone personally, right? Who they don't know. But do you think that that same tactic, why wouldn't it work this time? If it I, why I agree. I think they're going to be right. What will change in the yeah. ability to go out and, and to do that? And, and does it what, look what they're already doing? They're going to do the same thing to DeSantis or whoever that candidate is. Already, already they're talking about DeSantis is far more dangerous. Because yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> That's what the Lincoln project he's a, said. He's a, He's a far more capable Donald yeah, Trump, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's probably true. Right. He's smart. Um, but but Trump also brings a he, I love DeSantis. He's done what he's he's done what everybody wants people to do. Right. Um, don't let the institution drive what you do, you know, run safe, all those types of things. He's running for what the people want. It's literally seems like it makes sense. Common sense. Yeah. Not stupid. Um, 
use the, the medical science, not the political science, yeah. right? How do you mobilize? How do you energize people? And look what he's done. He's doing everything that everybody would hope. And, and that's the same thing that people wanted out of Trump. And so I, I don't know how you keep him out. I, yeah. I don't want to see a bloodbath between the two, but I think you're right. Um, be as presidential as you're physically possible. And he becomes really scary to the Democrats. Yeah, it's hard. So I, I think with with this is just how I feel. Um, in 2016, I didn't vote for Trump. Minnesota almost went to Trump. And maybe that's because Hillary Clinton was on the ballot. But that's the closest that a Republican has got to winning the state since 72. Um, and in 2020, it was a different it was a completely different bag because why? Let's be very candid. Um, when you have 2.1 million people vote absentee. Yeah. And um, through no no fault, you can get low information voters that say, yeah, Trump is a bad man. And people are like, dude, I'm not even going to vote. And they're like, no, no, no. Um, you just have to just sign this thing. and right. I'll, I'll take this ballot for you. So I think that was working against Trump. But we talked about this off air that Minnesota's laws in regards to to ballot harvesting is, you know, it's relatively rigid. I think it's three ballots that you can harvest per person. Yeah, that that's something? only if you have somebody that's interested in enforcing it. Sure. Oh, wait, sure. who is that here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh, wait, our attorney general. So I personally think that there are people that are afraid of Trump in Minnesota yeah. um, that, that feel that he will drive out higher voter um, against him and everything yeah. like that. But I think that with Republicans taking the House and their their uh, their conference they had today of all of the investigations that are going to be coming out, I think it's going to be very difficult for Biden to walk out clean on this one um, because he's made so many statements and absolutes that he didn't know. I had right. no involvement. And so I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I personally, I, I would support Trump. I, I lean DeSantis. I, I lean DeSantis. So if DeSantis right now announced, which I don't think he will, if he announced right now, I would lean DeSantis because he has all the things I like about Trump, but he has the tact. Um, and also he actually formulates his attacks on the culture front. Um, I think in a much better think, way than think than about Trump what does. he did. He, he was right. Trump Trump did the same. Think about immigration. Right. He did everything he could to, yeah, yeah. to, to the illegal immigration. Um, and so what did he start to do? He started to uh, let's shift those buses. Yeah, let's to, fly people I think he picked sanctuary buses. cities and yeah. they went, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's my hope, too, is I would love everybody to live by the virtues in which they're voting for today. Sure. Yeah. From yeah. energy to power. Right. We all want clean power. We all yeah. want great cars. Let's do nuclear, great, baby. Let's get it rolling. Fuel economy. Right. All those things. But you need to live by them. And nobody was willing to do that. Mm -hmm. But Trump did. Trump did it. And he laid the foundation. And then DeSantis started to make surgical strikes. Yeah. And says, Martha Vineyards look pretty hot. <laughs> and and Abbott start, right? It, and and it's sad, you know, they look out there and it and it, it's humans, right? But we've created human tragedy by not having a border. And that's led and sponsored by our federal government. Yeah. Right. The the policies matter. And yeah. when they say, hey, all are welcome, look at the death and destruction. And we cannot take everybody. We need to figure out. Well, what did you hear what Schumer just said? I, I didn't. Schumer just said that because we have um, our collapsing birth rates and we have a worker shortage, oh. we need to pass amnesty for 11 or so million people that are here. So those that came, that, those that came this month. Right. So this is yeah. like that's He literally said that yesterday. And, and that's just been I, I never got we never got your opinion on, on Trump, man. Well, I don't. I don't think you could win Minnesota. I don't think. Uh, I think the party needs to move forward, 
And I would be supporting somebody along the lines of DeSantis sure. instead of uh, Trump, just because of what you said, Senator. But what if DeSantis you, what, run? What, what the senator said where you need somebody more presidential. If you're looking to uh, do a bet on this, I would be happy to <laughs> wait, do wait, that wait, later t- on. There, we're, uh, we're so hey, far John, out. I, yeah, I, I don't think you want to go to the same steakhouse. You yeah, right. No. You. I'm going to make sure there's no group odds because steakhouse. if he wins, it's going to be a group on date. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Well, next time, well, now, but, but now I know like the group on, I had to have four people for the one that I bought. Um, also, um, someone had asked a question about the uh, sanctimonious. Let's be honest. That's probably the weakest attack that I've ever, ever heard come out of Trump's mouth. I think it's just Trump trying to just make sure that he's the alpha dog. And desanctimonious is, let's be honest, the worst diss ever. Like, and the other diss I've heard is that he's short. I don't know how tall DeSantis <laughs> is. I, I heard he's like five foot nine and Trump is what, six two or six three yeah. or something like that, which oh, is no. hilarious to me. Well, it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, and right. I'm here we'll, for we'll it. We'll have a lot I'm, to talk about. I'm all about competition. I'm not uh, a. A Trump bobo that's like, Trump can do no wrong. But I will say this. When the media and and the establishment lies about Trump, I would rather be on the side of being quiet about the things I disagree with Trump than instead of having to fall in on the side of people that are lying because they they want power. I'd rather shut up and not be on that side than to help pile on so I get associated with those people. And the reason why is because in 2016... Okay, I had a banner on my Facebook page that said never Trump. Okay, in 2016, because I was like, Trump is not a conservative. He's a nationalist. Mm -hmm. And while I agree with some of the stuff he says, he says too many things that are not conservative principle. And then after and I voted Evan McMullen, which is the worst vote of my life. But I did. (laughs) Um, And then I took it down because I, I actually sat and I watched his policy go by. And I was like, oh, these are good yeah. policies. Oh, dang. Like, I misunderstood things. Yeah. So Middle, yeah. Middle East peace. Yeah. What? Yeah. Who, yeah. who wants that? I mean, yeah. who wants, you know, being able to sit down and, and stop terrible things from happening? You yeah. Know? yeah. Who, who wants more of that? Well, you know, thank you so much. It, it, it's a pleasure, man. You no, know, you, yeah. you got. Come back on yeah. the show anytime. Do you I got mean, anything gonna... coming up that you want people to know yeah. about? Is there, you know, any events, I, anything like that? We're just, we're just rolling out. You know, we've got a. Uh, um, we've continued to represent, right? It doesn't yeah. matter with the majority or minority. We're the voice for our citizens in our district. And so we're going to continue to work on and, and represent our district and, uh, no major events, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out, well, there is a major, we're all moving in the Capitol, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to move, right? <laughs> but he's packing up and moving. And so there'll be this whole shuffle. So it'd be a couple months, probably six weeks of, of kind of organized chaos or just transition. Um, and then rolling out committee assignments and making sure that we focus on one of the things I'm most proud about is, uh, I'm the chair of the legislative audit commission, hoping to stay on it. Like you'll be the ch- vice chair. It's really the voice and, and it's really the eyes and ears of our citizen and our legislature. Um, and somebody asked about the, uh, the nonprofits out there. Yeah. Uh, that, those are the ones that that's the agency that's providing some scrutiny over those and, and to get us some insight. That's a political machine. The reason we have so many of them, that's how the Democrats fund their political machine through nonprofits. So, yeah. Um, it's very elusive, right? It is. You can see a lot of work come out of there. A lot of things, a lot of investigations going on, feeding our future, which, yeah. which we could come, we could probably come back and do a segment on both of the, uh, which we should election fraud and, uh, uh, ballot harvesting out of Senator Fate's, uh, office and then um that investigation is still going on in the fbi as well as feeding our future is probably going to take our legislative auditor um a couple of years 
mm. to, wow. to really vet that entire program, who's involved, right? You've seen 50 indictments. There's probably going to be a heck of a lot more. Sure. And then you're probably going to find that most of them are likely tied to many other nonprofits. <laughs> Interesting how that works. Right? how that works. And many of them, they're contributing directly to Democrats. And Weird. So, uh, almost exclusively. And yeah. so, so those are the things that it really is the full cycle of crime and it's using our taxpayer dollars. I've said to everybody, you can probably tie almost 40% of election campaign spending back to your own taxpayer dollars, feeding themselves, not feeding our future. They've been feeding themselves. I think if you looked at the total overall fraud, if we could put the resources to it, um, feeding our futures, $500 million, that would be dwarfed by what happens on an annual basis. I, I wouldn't, you know, there's so many Scary. different routes that we could go. We could go hours and hours yep. about FTX and all the money that's went into like hundred <laughs> percent Democrats. Um, but we will have you back on for sure. Um, even just to get legislative updates about the yeah. state of things, you know, um, Anytime, man. just because you're, you're awesome to talk to. And I truly appreciate it uh, coming on. Yeah. Thank you. So and it's always weird because I want to give you the respect of the title. Uh, you know, the people of your district, you know, sent you to represent them. So I call you Senator Cran, but I'll call you Mark. I'm, I'm just happy with Mark. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I am. It, it, I really, I, I do. We do all really respect the title and you're blessed to be here, but we're just your neighbor. Yeah. And people don't, for, you know, yeah. they, they, they think we're just some, you become some eight headed dragon or quadra that, you know, and it's like, no, we're just people. Well, yeah. you have, you have one other big thing you're not even talking about. And that's, uh, do you have, uh, the best Christmas light display I, I in your neighborhood. Five thousand people who drive to my front yard every year, and so I my, <laughs> do now between now and um, Sunday after Thanksgiving, I'll be putting in fourteen to sixteen hours a day trying to get that thing up and lit. Election season puts a little crimp on it. Maybe we'll have to do a short video in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah we gotta go. You go to you go on Facebook, go to Cran Family Christmas, and you'll be able to see some videos and see what it looks like. Man, we got. Awesome. I, got I support three of our nonprofits uh, or not. Three youth organizations, so yeah. Navy Sea Cadets, the local Boy Scout troop, and the and the uh, FFA of Chisago Lakes. Um, they come and help me set up. So I have about 40 people awesome. for four days. And uh they we collect wow. donations for them and they um they all put um they get all the donations, 100% of the money. So cool. last year we got them 6000 bucks. The year before we wow. got them $11,000. That's cool. And uh, it's good for them. It helps me. And it's just a great community thing. And it's like, and and it doesn't hurt me politically. I've been doing it for 54 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, even I'm a Republican, they always say, well, he must not be a jerk for at least six weeks out of the year. At least six <laughs> weeks. At least six weeks. Yeah, man. Thank, well, thank you again you. so much for coming on. Thank you and for tuning in. Um, you know, make sure that you guys do a couple of things oh, for us. Uh, that's where it started. At. There it is, man. That's, that's the start right there. You know, number one, make sure that you guys like this video. Uh, make sure that you share this video on, you know, not just on the platform you're watching this. If you're watching on YouTube, take the link, share it on all of your socials. Uh, also, make sure to go and find like a favorite video or clip that you think is really cool or a post. Make sure to like that. And then also follow us on our social. We do now have an Instagram um, at Black and Blue Podcast MN is what our Instagram is. And you can also follow me on TikTok at AK Kamara. Officer Jai is at Officer Jai on all of his socials. Stay connected with us because when we drop new episodes, we want to make sure that you guys share it, whether it's just the audio. And without your help and without your support, this means nothing.
But that's what we have. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Blue with AK and Officer Jai. I am AK Kamara. I'm Jai Hansen. See you next time. Take care.